Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bose Church Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and joining me for this episode is Don Allensworth. He's the president at the Newground Group. Don, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Don is known as one of the top strategic church transition specialists in the country, and his primary focus is leadership development and helping churches reach people. So uh, always great to have Don on the podcast to hear for our third episode here on the Bose Church Podcast. And we're also joined today by Clay Smith. He's the senior pastor at Johnson Ferry Baptist Church. Clay, thank you for joining us as well. Well, thank you for having me as well. It's great to be here. Excellent, excellent. Well, today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing the challenges of regathering. Now, for the past several months, churches have been working to adjust their services to an online-only model. And as the pendulum begins to swing back and states across the country open at different rates, the challenge for churches becomes finding the right blend of online and in-person services. And so, Don, let's just dive in and, and start talking about this. How can churches take what they've learned over the last several months and really apply it to this new challenge of regathering together? Well, first of all, let me say thanks to the Bose Corporation and the Bose Pro team uh, just for, for doing this. Um, they're incredible thought leaders. They are committed to um, houses of worship. And I'm, it's, been, it's been really exciting to see them pivot uh, from our tr- the traditional trajectory of really focusing on technology during this pandemic to really providing content that was meaningful and helpful to churches uh, in need. And so, you know, just grateful for them. It's an incredible organization and it's exciting to be a part of seeing that, uh, seeing that transition happen. So we're heading into our third paradigm as a, as the church, uh, this year in the past four or five months. And so this is a very new and different paradigm, uh, as we seek to blend, just like you said. And so it's going to be a very new reality with new challenges, um, that that are coming with it uh, to be able to have people in the room and people at home. Uh, it's going to be a very different uh, opportunity. I've, I've been talking to a lot of pastors, as you can imagine, and you know I hear things like we're you now I feel like a content creator rather than a uh, a leader, and you know that's hard. It's very hard to preach to a camera, but it's even more challenging to preach to a room that has you know eighteen or twenty percent of the seats filled. And so with this new reality uh, of, of blending uh, online and presence with uh, social distancing, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a, it's going to be a real challenge. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. You know, there are challenges that come along with just as things continue to shift, like you mentioned, as we hit the third paradigm just this year and uh, the year is not even halfway over. It's it's definitely moved quickly and it's required that flexibility to adjust on the fly. And so, you know, I, I think one of the things that is important for churches to consider is who is coming back to their services and some of the challenges that will be involved with that, right? Because, you know, as you consider who comes back in, you're considering, um, you know, the age group of people or pre-existing conditions, things along those lines that have to be taken into consideration, right? It does. And with it being blended, we have to really realize that um, we've got to work for engagement uh, with people in the room and outside the room. Uh, we, we went from you know, a f- somewhat streaming to with the majority of people attending uh, physically to all streaming. And now as we swing back, you know, the question that I have is, what does regathering take away from the opportunity to continue to provide connection and engagement uh, virtually for those families? Because uh, the, the question is, you know, when does a family with a three-year-old and a three-month-old, when does a family with a five-year-old and a seven-year-old come back? We, we automatically are thinking about, you know, those in 
that we hear are in uh, the highest risk categories, you know, which would be our senior adults, which, uh, but when you look at it, uh, young families, it's going to be a long time before children's ministry is meeting the way it was prior to this pandemic. And so if you look at the data, we know that about 70% of most churches are made up of children and or senior adults. And so those are two high risk categories, right? And so what there may be an older church may have more senior adults and fewer children, but those two numbers add up to about 70%. That other 30% is made up of uh, young married couples, which have children and aren't coming back until their children can typically, and, you know, are meeting a day, age adults. So it's going to be a challenge um, who comes back when they come back and, uh, you know, what are the trigger points for them as they uh, prepare for it. So the fear is, will meeting in person take resources away from engagement and connection uh, for those who are at risk? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that's a that's a major question and a major um, concern and, and balancing act to to maintain really is to find that right blend between you know catering to people that are able to be in the building without sacrificing. Um, in terms of how you're able to engage and, and reach out to the people who aren't able to be there present in that particular facility at that time. And so what does this look like in practice for churches? How will churches and, and services look different now, um, maybe with, with this blended idea, than maybe they did before, Don? Well, it's a great question. It's really the question. But the answer is it all depends, right? I mean, what is the reality that they have? You know, are they a church that has more room than people? If so, then that's great because they're able to scatter. But let's say if a typical 400 seat room, uh, in most states, you know, you've got a, there'll be a six foot uh, social distancing uh, rule and standard. And so that means in a 400 seat room that every other aisle of chairs or pews has to be vacant in order to provide six feet. You know, there's typically three feet between the two. And then a family of four comes in, they sit down. So that drops us from 400 to 200 seats automatically. They, a family of four comes in, they sit down. There's got to be at least three chairs because average chair is about 22 inches, three chairs um, at least uh, or four between that family and the next individual. And so what we're going to see is a 400 seat room can really max out at 60 to 75 to 85 people, which is going to put a very uh, different reality on leading worship, on communication, on acoustics in the room. Again, preaching to a camera is hard, but preaching to a, a room that's virtually empty has a whole another set of challenges to, to address. And, you know, we want to lead, teach and preach the room, uh, but it'll be uh, it'll be easy to lose that virtually. Uh, it's an there's an, several interesting studies out there for um virtual teaching with students in the room. And it's interesting to see uh, how well that goes and how well it doesn't. It's, um, it's very difficult to not just preach or teach to the room, to those present. And so it's going to take a lot of work on pastors to make that shift and that transition. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, and um, and that does sound like a, a challenge to overcome. So when churches uh, approach these challenges, I, I suppose that the the question becomes just how do you make this work for your particular congregation, right? Because this isn't going to be a one size fits all solution. There's not going to be a silver bullet that works for everyone, right? Yeah, correct. And that's I think I think it's really important to network and to do research, but I think it's most important for us as leaders to focus on you know. 
who we are, what our needs are in our community and what it needs to look like for us. If we, if we're not careful, we can, you know, we have access to everything in the world online now. And if we're not careful, we'll go look and see what other people are doing. And we'll take that as our own without ever asking the question, is this best for our people? Is this what's right for our people? And so we've got to really take into consideration our demographic, you know, the, our age range. Do we, you know, those people uh, where we're at, the size of congregation, uh, man, some of these larger churches, it's going to be very difficult for churches uh, like Clay's that are large and, uh, and, and even these mega churches to meet, uh, you know, when they're used to having five or 6,000 people in a room at the same time, it's going to be very, very different. And so their reality is very different than your reality or my reality as a leader. Um, so I think we've got to really encourage everybody to do your research, but we've got to figure out what's best for you. Yeah, and I think that comes from, you know, knowing who you are as a church, knowing your identity and knowing your people, right? And so that seems to be a crucial aspect of this is just asking those questions and being honest with yourself about, you know, who who is in my congregation, uh, what are our capabilities, and how can we still best minister to the group of people that we have? Yeah, that, that, I think that's very well said. It, it, um, there's a lot of pressure from communities too, for the church to, to meet, start meeting, whether they're quote unquote ready to meet or not, because other churches are. And, um, you know, I've talked to several pastors in the last 10 days uh, and uh, probably half of them have brought that up. It's like, you know, we think it's too early, but, you know, this church is doing it. I know we don't need to do it because they're doing it, but there's just a lot of pressure with that. So it's a, it's a lot of new dynamics for sure. Absolutely. And I, I want to bring in Clay just to talk a little bit about that leadership aspect during this time. So Clay, just from your perspective as a senior pastor, how have you approached leadership and leading your congregation during this difficult time? Because it's obviously an unprecedented um, time in our history here. So how have you approached this and, and how have you continued to minister and lead your flock uh, even during this difficult, uh, this difficult period? Well, I, I do agree these are unprecedented times, and I, I think our use of the word unprecedented is actually unprecedented. So, you know, I'm sick of using that word, but it, it's the new it's the new new normal. But these are crazy times. I mean, I, I was I was mentored and my ministry heroes were the guys who said you never cancel church. So that's in my DNA and so I was one of the last, even here in Atlanta, to kind of hold out on that weekend where it just seemed inevitable that that everyone was going to cancel services, and we did. Um, I think for very good reasons, and we've been we've been there ever since. So it's unusual days. Uh, the the three C's that I have asked our staff and church to really think about are what we're doing with content, care. And connection, and quite honestly, I think churches have focused on content, but sometimes to the exclusion of care and connection. Content matters, but quite honestly, I think the churches that are making the most impact are the ones that are focused as much, sometimes even more, on those components of care and connection. So that's what we've been trying to do, and just trying to look at this as an opportunity to hit reset, to imagine some things about our church, to simplify, to clarify some things about our church as we head into whatever the next normal is. Because the reality is, is the church has always changed. I mean, there are basic fundamental pillars of ministry that you see in the New Testament that will never go away in terms of prayer and the teaching of God's word and fellowship and the breaking of bread and all those things we see in the New Testament. 
And yet the church has also evolved, at least in its methodology, for 2,000 years now. And, and I, don't, um, I don't think that this will not change us in some ways. I'm not one of those who says it will change absolutely everything. But I do think there's a next normal on the other side of this thing. And so we're just trying to reimagine what that could look like. And, uh, and so one thing I've tried to tell our church to do is don't think about what we can't do, but think about what we can do. Because this is real easy to get lost in the whole what we can't do world and to feel sorry for ourselves because we can't do a number of things we would prefer to do. But there are a lot of things that we can do. And so it's also been wonderful just to see the people of Johnson Ferry step up and serve in some really, really creative and effective ways. We've we've seen people come to Christ in some uh, unorthodox ways even the last two weeks. And uh, so it's been it's been the best of times and the worst of times, but mostly the best of times. Right. I think I, I think that's really encouraging to hear the way that the gospel continues to move forward, even in the midst of <laughs> I'm going to say it again, an unprecedented time. But, you know, I, I, I think it's an accurate way of putting it just to, to continue to see the ways that people are creative and uh, handling these uh, these changes and being flexible with uh, with this particular circumstance. And so that, that to me is heartening. Um, from a from a from this perspective, but Clay, I, I'm curious. Just as this has continued to evolve and and occur, maybe some overarching lessons. Have you learned anything from this particular uh, circumstance that you think will carry forward? Uh, you know, as the church maybe begins to regather, are there any overarching lessons that you feel like you've learned that you want to implement moving forward? There are several, and I'm sure with the passing months and and uh, even year, those will become clearer. I did go back to the old Winston Churchill quote of never never let a crisis go to waste, never waste a crisis. And I do think that it would be a huge mistake for churches listening to, to if they waste opportunities you could use to learn in this crisis. Some things I've learned is just how much purpose matters in what you do and that your purpose as a church, your vision, your mission has to be rock solid because the thing we've come back to again and again when it comes to thinking about what we can do are the things that revolve around our purpose. So, you know, our vision as a church or our mission statement, if you will, is that we want to love and worship God as we reach and disciple people for Jesus Christ. So it really comes down to are we doing what we can to both reach and disciple people uh, for Jesus Christ, which includes, yes, worship services, but it's also included a lot of decentralized discipleship that's taken place in people's homes, that's taken place over Zoom calls and over technology. Uh, it's incorporated things we're doing with a food drive we've been a part of, blood drives we've been a part of, calling all of our people on the phone. You know, we made uh, we made calls to close to 7,000 people, you know, and um, so just trying to think about all things we can do that relate to our to our mission and vision. And so your purpose really matters. I think I would hate to be a church who went into this without a very clear idea of why they even exist as a church. Because I think if that's the case, you'd be just floating in the air trying to figure out where you would land. And if you're not careful, you would think meeting on Sunday is the sole reason we exist as a church. Now, I'm not downplaying the gathering and we're in the midst of trying to figure out how we are going to regather and at the same time, a church is much more than simply people who gather in a building on Sunday morning. And so I think you need to know what that purpose is. And that certainly helps helps formulate how you do what you do. 
Absolutely. No, I, I think that's a great word and a great, uh, great encouragement just to, to keep that why at the center of everything you do. And, and Don, as, as we consider that why, how can technology play a part and really um, help solidify some of the things that, that people are doing, even as they approach these challenges of regathering while also still ministering to those um, who are maybe at home and, and streaming services and things like that? How can technology really play a large role in this? Well, let's say the first thing that may really be a surprise to a lot of leaders is really how their room sounds with so few people in it. Um, many churches gather and they meet in places, you know, with hard surface floors. And, uh, and so those bodies become very important, uh, a very important part of the acoustics. And so when you think about it, every, with every other row gone, you're losing, if you're with chairs, you're losing your chair, uh, cushioning, which is really enhances the acoustics. You have more hard surface, um, fewer bodies. Again, uh, we always, we always kind of laugh about it, but when, you know, I get calls several times a month, I, you know, where people are complaining, I can't hear, or it's too loud. That's what church staff is telling me. I can't understand what you're saying. And truly there's an intelligibility issue. It's a, an issue of acoustics, not just audio. It's an, it's an acoustic issue. And so that's going to be exasperated. It really is. The live sound environment is going to change. It's going to be different. And there's going to be a higher value on intelligibility and a, a more difficult mix for your front of house engineer. Uh, and so I think those churches who uh, were fortunate enough to really invest in a technical map, a room mapping, a design and have, you know, good audio in the air, good uh, technology, they are going to are going to be OK because they're able to make some shifts on the fly. Uh, it, while it will be more difficult for churches that just have wide display boxes, I think, hanging there that, um, you know, were off the shelf. And so, you know, that those are a couple things, but here's the other thing. We really, I think, address this on the second podcast maybe, but uh, or maybe the first. It's, it's gonna require two audio mixes. Those audio mixes are gonna be new. Your live room is gonna sound different. So it's gonna have to be mixed differently than it was before. And now you're going to have to mix your audio for streaming. You've got to have dedicated people, separate people to do both of those to be successful. Um, so I think that's really important that we, you know, kind of get that out there and, and look at it from that perspective. And the sooner we can address that and the sooner the church can address it, the better off they're going to be. And Don, if I could jump in, I'm certainly not an expert when it comes to uh, these issues of production we shifted at Johnson Ferry to a pre-recorded service probably by week two. And so we, we have been uh, for the last you know eight or nine weeks recording middle of the week, all worship songs, all sermons, every element, which allows obviously the post-production to happen sometime on the weekend. So by the time the product goes out on Sunday, I mean, it's, it's high, high quality beyond anything what you would have with a with a live uh, gathering. Now we're about to shift back to a live gathering, for reasons that we're we're happy to do in June, June the seventh, and it'll be interesting because I, I imagine there it might feel a little bit like we're stepping back experientially because we know the mix will not be the same, but we think the net value of gathering in some format uh, will be equally, if not more, valuable than simply the quality of the production. While they're both important it'll just be an interesting experience as our people now walk back into something that may feel less polished than what they've gotten used to in the last few weeks. No, that's, that's exactly what well said. It's exactly what the, you know, we're talking about because think about it. 
over the last few weeks, there, the first few weeks, there was a lot of grace from our people and people were watching live because we were asking them to. Um, but then you start looking at the data and the trending, we see that people were watching kind of the rebroadcast, even those that were simulated live services like yours, which is what I encourage every church to do, by the way. And so they're able to sit there with their headphones on, with their family watching on the computer or their phone. And uh, it was very intimate because it was you and them. Worship was you and them. It was you're able to tighten up your audio. You're able to, to do all those things. The challenge is going to be there will be a tremendous loss because of simply doing it the way that we have to do it now live in the room like there's going to be more you know artifacts there'll be more more noise um you know if depending on what state you're in and and how you're laid out but if you have a handful of people you know in the room they don't sing in worship they, they don't if they can hear themselves sing they don't sing loudly and so that's why we design rooms with hard surfaces underneath the seats and carpet aisles for example so that People can't hear themselves sing, but uh, so when that happens, it's you know you're going to have all these distinct voices. It's just going to be a different experience, and I think it's going to take some getting used to for people in the room as well as people outside the room. Because you know I think every church in the country is probably in the same situation you are in uh, in going back to that to that blended uh, the blended opportunity. So I do think it's just going to be different. Did you design any rooms for people singing with masks on? Never, never have done that. And, uh, and yeah, and so to sing or not to sing, really, we got there are churches that, you know, if you're present, you're not allowed to sing, like really, um, because of the projection of the potential germs. So there's, it's just so many different nuances that are going to have to be considered. And some of these, the majority of these, you can forecast and anticipate, many are going to come from experience. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point that that experience really is going to going to play a part in this and I think that there's value in evaluating how something goes and having conversations about okay, we tried it this way and maybe there were some some flaws here or there that we'd like to fix and and, and I think there's value in maybe being flexible and saying, you know, okay, we evaluated these things. Maybe next week we do it this way as opposed to how we did it this past week just because hey, as you you learn as you go and this is a this is new territory for a lot of people. Absolutely, that's great leadership. Yeah, and one thing we've tried to John's Ferry, one of the values we've had throughout this this ten week experiment is to offer a lot of variety. So we've done we've done different things almost every single week. I mean, sometimes it's just what you would consider a straightforward service with singing and a sermon or you know message. We've had times we've had panel discussions. We've had graduate recognition. One time we scrapped all the services and did a live interactive kind of a song service with prayer requests and and taking requests live from online and would sing that. I mean, we, we've tried everything just to offer a sense of variety. Cause I do think, uh, while certainly it's better than, than nothing, uh, it is, it's a different experience just to sit in your den and stare at a screen for 60 to 70 minutes. I think even the most, um, you know, generous and gracious of people, they're used to, you know, an intention span that's so low of things bouncing back and forth. It's hard to shut that off even if you're watching your church's experience. I agree. 
Absolutely. So just as, as we begin to wrap things up here, um, you know, I, I think there's an acknowledgement that uh, time and money and staffing are already um, in a lot of cases being pushed by these circumstances. So uh, from each of you, you know, what is one tip that you can give pastors who are trying to serve at-risk populations virtually at the level they need and, and now expect, have come to expect over the last several months, while also ramping up in-person services again? So, you know, what is that one tip and maybe that, that piece of advice that you can give pastors? in these circumstances? Well, I think certainly there's a lot of value and just be reminded that, that God is not stressed out about the coronavirus. And, and I don't say that tongue-in-cheek or to slight the, the real hurts that come from the financial, emotional, psychological fallout of this whole crisis. But we have to believe that this is somehow a part of his plan and this is somehow part of his church. And I think, if anything, this has really put the ball on the tee for the church to really shine bright in a very dark world. Because the reality is that people are seeing that the foundations of their life, their finances, uh, their relationships in many instances, the things that they felt were so secure have really crumbled in front of them. And they are looking for a sure foundation. So I would just say, as if you're a church... I mean, see this as the hour that we've been waiting for, and I hope that you're praying with me that this is a day that we see, you know, millions who come to Christ, millions who give their lives to Jesus, and uh, that means we have to change some things. It means we have to clarify some things. It means we we have to experiment with some things. But just see this season not as what you can't do, but see it as an opportunity of what you can do, and trust that God is going to do big things with His people. Well, I should have gone first, Tyler, because he basically stole my uh, my thunder there. But <laughs> I, I have a couple things that I that I really think are uh, worth sharing. I mean, leverage this opportunity exactly what Pastor said. Some people need to be in the room right now, and some are not yet comfortable doing that. And so, let there be freedom. Engage both of them. Mobilize volunteers. Uh, and work your leadership development pipeline to help them step up. I mean, needing people whether it's virtually or in person, is a great way to recruit and, and engage people. We know that it's hard to get twice a month attenders to church three times a month. It's just very difficult to do unless you need them, unless you put them to work, unless you help them discover service. And I think the same thing goes for those families who are not yet comfortable to meet and gather in person. Uh, you know, leverage them, challenge them to to watch online uh, in real time and to to work and help you build the best uh, opportunity for the gospel uh, possible virtually. Um, I think I think that's really, really important. I think need is really important. So and then from a practical standpoint, two things I'd say, be careful not to teach lead uh, to the live room. You've really focus on the camera if you're if you're broadcasting and something as simple as a 99 cent touch lamp, touch light you know as pastors and communicators we're used to speaking to people and we feed off of their faces and their engagement that's what's hard about speaking to a camera but we can't swing back all the way to where we're talking just to those in the room so even a 99 cent touch lamp like put it over your camera that way it'll remind you to look at the camera and speak to the camera i think that's really really important and then here's my overall challenge. Uh, I, I would say that we have to be really careful as leaders uh, in our churches and our communities to not redefine connection as creating content. We really need to work hard, do the work with our staffs and our volunteers 
to create engagement for the for this new reality. Like that's what it's about. That's where discipleship happens. This is an opportunity to be leveraged. I completely agree. And we're seeing unbelievable things happen. But it's, if we will do the work and we'll work hard to engage in this new paradigm, you know, then God does his part to multiply our efforts. And, you know, I just think that we have to be careful to um, to drive engagement home so that we don't become a culture of church on demand where we get to pick and choose what we're going to do and say and be and, you know, and, and we become so scattered that there's no intentional discipleship, uh, no belonging to a community of believers. Uh, I don't think church happens in the four walls. I think it's to, I think it's scattered. And this is this is kind of a an axe type of situation that we're in. So we're seeing the fruits of our labor the last few years. Absolutely. I think I think that's fantastic uh, advice. And, and what you guys shared, I think, was was really, really powerful uh, and, and wonderful advice for pastors around the country as they they wrestle with the decisions that they have to make for their congregations. And so I think that was really sound advice. And, and I appreciate the words that, that you guys shared here today. So Don and Clay, thank you again, once again, for your uh, for your leadership and for joining us here on the Bose Church podcast. Thank you both. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for more professional audio tips, exclusive promotions, exclusive content, and even free consultations, head to pro.bose.com slash Bose Church. That's pro.bose.com forward slash Bose Church. There you can get more information and, and find out uh, more and more and get some of those audio tips and that sort of thing there. So uh, make sure you head there. So thank you once again for uh, for listening to this episode of the podcast, everyone. As we mentioned, we do have two previous episodes, so uh, subscribe to uh, to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you go back and listen to those uh, those episodes as well for more insights just in navigating these challenging times uh, for churches. And uh, look forward to uh, future episodes of the Boast Church Podcast, uh, where we'll be talking more about pro audio and, and more just advice and leadership in these particular areas. So thank you once again for listening. I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Until next time. <laughs>